Thanks, Brandon. Uh, I don't know if, if I'm sure none of you were looking at me while this is happening, but I've had a huge grin on my face. Uh, it's, it was a treat getting together as brothers and, and sort of going through this chapter. And a bunch of guys came over and we sat in my living room and talked through this. And then to just see how God's worked in each of these three guys to share, I, I'm just delighted. And I hope you are too. I hope you, you can see the time that these brothers have spent in the scriptures and, and that it's coming uh, through clearly. Um, I'm going to just sort of as an outro, I'm going to talk about the two gifts that haven't been talked about yet, um, which depending on what translation you're in, uh, I've got the gift of miracles. Um, yeah, the working of miracles and also um, the, the discerning of spirits. So I'm just going <clears> to... <throat> Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a definition. Uh, a couple we've had a couple of those. Um, so this word miracles, because um, if you're like me, you kind of wonder sometimes what what all these words mean uh, in the Bible. And uh, Brandon, I think it was Brandon referenced uh, Hebrews two, where it talks about signs and wonders and miracles. And so I'm just that's a perfect example actually, because uh, signs, wonders, and miracles those are three different words. Um, they're not just three different words in English, but they're three different words in Greek, which is how they were written, and so that's a, maybe a good place to start, um, is to talk about what this word is. So in 1 Corinthians 12, um, it's the word, uh, the Greek word dunamis, um, from where we get dynamic, um, and so uh, does anybody know, what does a dyno, as we generally call it, what does a dynamometer test? Does anybody know? Power, yeah, tests horsepower. So you can hook up a machine uh, to the PTO of your tractor, and it'll tell you what the output is uh, of power that that unit has. So, so that's what the we use the word dynamic all the time. Uh, it's about power. It's about movement. It's about action. Um, so that's what the Greek word is. Um, it's actually not used all that often in the New Testament. It's, I think it's used. Um, three times actually in this uh, chapter of 1 Corinthians 12 and it's used five other times. So uh, just, just as a way of helping to know what it is that we're talking about with miracles, I'm going to tell you about those five other times. I'm also going to tell you what the two words are that it's not. One of those words is semeon and that word is, uh, is translated often as, uh, as sign and it's, it's a token um, it's it's a distinguishing um, identifier. So this isn't a gift of token. It's not a token gift. It's not a oh well, um, you know, church already has you know a teacher and a and a prophet and a whatever. Oh, here you go, have a token gift. So at least you get something from God. That's not what it is. It's not some like identifier gift. It's it's a gift of power. Um, it's also not teras, which is often translated um, as, I just went blank on what the other one is, um, wonder. Um, and so it's not the word wonder, because that is talking about uh, like an omen uh, would be a way that we've heard the word used. Like, oh, that happened, and it's a, it's a, it's a telling event. That, that is telling us something, that event. Uh, we would use the, the word prodigy, 
when we're talking about a person. That person is a wonder kind. You know, look at Connor McDavid when he was 15. He was so good at score. You know, we talk about people who have prodigious talent and we talk about them in a sense of wonder. And that's a, another word. And that's not what this is talking about. So it's not talking about some sort of token or, or, or label. And it's not talking about some wonderful ability about you as a person or some, some marvelous event is talking about power. And I just want to make that clear right from the get-go because if you don't get that, um, you'll miss kind of the whole way I'm wrapping this up. Um, so there are five other times in the New Testament where this word dunamis is used. It's used in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, when the Lord Jesus is being described. And it talks about how, there again, talks about how his operation, you know what, let's just take the second to turn there. Um, and we'll have time for questions. Uh, I don't have hours of content, uh, so we'll, we'll have time for questions at the end here. Um, but Acts 2, 22, Peter's sermon, which was already referenced tonight, um, where Peter's talking to these, these Jewish people who are gathered, and he just says, men of Israel, listen to these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. So that's three different things. He's, he's approved by power, by, by token, and by wonder, by omen, um, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves know. These people had seen the power on display. These people had seen the wonderful things Jesus did where blind people could see and lame people could walk. They, they knew that that was telling them who Jesus was. They, they, they knew that that was saying that people called him a prophet all the time. Why? Because they saw what he was doing and they said, well, this must be of God. And, and so it's used of Jesus. Uh, the next time it's used is in Acts chapter 8. And it's talking about Simon, who we, uh, we, Simon the sorcerer, we talked about him. He believed, was baptized. He follows Philip around. And, and he's marveling, wondering, because he's seeing the miracles or powers and signs which were done. So, so he's following Philip around, he's become a believer, and he's just, just amazed by the power that's on display. And, and we went through that story in our Bible study uh, a few months back, where we said, oh, and then he encou we encounter this scene where he goes to the apostles and he says, hey, like, you guys have this, this dynamo, this, this energy, this power, that when you put hands on people, or when you pray for people, they get the Holy Spirit. And he says, I want that power too. And Peter says, hey, whoa, man, you can't buy God's power. That's not how this works. And, and so that's the second example of this word. Um, the third example is also in Acts, and although we're not there yet, um, in our Bible study, it's in Acts chapter 19. And so it's when the Apostle Paul is in Ephesus, and this really ties in well with what um, Troy was saying about healing, um, it's gifts of healing. There's specific instances where healing is given. It's not every day. So this is true of, of all of the gifts. Um, you can operate in a gift um, daily, and there are other gifts that you don't see every day. And, and so what happens here is even with the Apostle Paul, 
Um, it talks about in, in Acts 19, God does special miracles, or he, the, the King James says he wrought special miracles. So he, he caused to happen in Paul special power. So it was special. It didn't happen every day. It, it only, as far as I'm aware, it only happened in Ephesus. And what happened? Well, when he, uh, when from him, from his shirt, they made a bunch of rags and they took those handkerchiefs to the sick, um, their diseases left them or their evil spirits departed. There's a power on display and it was a special power. It doesn't happen every day. Because we know that, because Paul writes to Timothy later, and we talked about this um, uh, as a group of guys when we were, we were talking about this, and, and just the attention was brought to this point. Like, if this was an ongoing thing, surely Paul would have just sent Timothy a holy hanky, and bam, Timothy's ailments are gone, right? It doesn't happen, because it was special. And so I, I just want to point that out as well. Um, this, is, this is a term that is used to describe the power that Jesus operated in. It's a term that captivated uh, the attention of a sorcerer who is used to all sorts of witchcraft before he became a believer. It's a term that's used on special occasions. It's not a daily thing. And then we find out, um, so I'll, uh, we've already started going to them, so we might as well go to all of them. Galatians chapter 3 verse 5 is another use of the same word. And in Galatians 3, verse 5, uh, Paul's writing to the Galatians where he's frustrated with them. He begins this chapter by saying, oh, foolish Galatians. Like, you guys, you've missed the mark. Um, and he says, if you began in the Spirit, how are you going to be made perfect in the flesh? And then he talks about, um, so if someone comes ministering to you the Spirit and works miracles or demonstrates power among you, is he doing it by the works of the law? or by the hearing of faith. Weird how faith connects again to, a, to another spiritual gift. <clears throat> what Paul's getting at here is that this, this is an operation of the Spirit by faith. It's not some manufactured set of rules people follow and then you know how to work miracles. That's not how it works. It's not, hey, if you do these three things, then you'll be able to mail your mail your hanky t-shirt to sick people and they'll be healed. That's, there's no, that's not here. What he's saying is this is an operation of the Holy Spirit by faith. And so I think that's important. And then the final one, which was already read, is Hebrews 2.4, where it talks about um, somebody coming with different, uh, talks about the, the gospel being confirmed. The message of salvation has been brought and it's evidence is that it's got the power of God working in the people who hear it. And so I just wanted to emphasize that before I jump into um, what, what discerning the spirits is. But the, the miracles or power is tied directly to operation in the spiritual realm. What happens is people are operating in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And so people have, and we, we see countless examples of this in the New Testament, where, where disciples go and they cast out evil spirits from someone. That's power. We know that that's power because in the same passage in Acts 19 where it talks about the special miracles, the special 
power that Paul is given in Ephesus. There's a group of Jews, the sons of Sceva, in Ephesus who say, oh, look at this power. And they go to try and cast out an evil spirit without that power. And guess what happens? The, the evil spirits say, I know who Jesus is. I even know who Paul is, but I don't know who you are. And those guys end up running away with their clothes in tatters because there's a group of them and they can't handle this demon-possessed person who, who then attacks them. So, so this is about spiritual warfare. And so if we believe as a church that we are engaged in spiritual warfare, this power of God would, be, would look like people who pray and, and prevail in prayer against spiritual forces at work in our world. This, this could look like praying over someone and having evil spirits leave them. There's a, there's a number of ways that this could look. But what I'm, what I'm suggesting to you is that this is when us, people wrapped in flesh, enter into a realm that is spiritual, and we do so through the power of the Holy Spirit of the Almighty God. That is working of miracles. And what that, how that bears fruit in each life, again, one of the themes that came out as we met as brothers and talked about some of this stuff is, is when we look at what's happening, what does the fruit tell us? Does the person working this power say, sure, I'll get rid of your evil spirit if you donate $1,000? Probably not a good motive. It's probably not an operation of the spirit of God because God doesn't need your money. He owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need your money. He's not a poor farmer. He's a rich farmer. And so, so the operation of this power, is it granting liberty to captives? And is it giving glory to God? Because that's what happens every time this gift is used in the scriptures. So those would be two questions that I would ask if you're curious. The next thing I want to talk about very briefly is the discerning of spirits. So we, if, if the, the gift of power is going into the spiritual realm, um, man, we don't want to go in blind, do we? And there's a discerning of spirits that happens as well. That's another gift um, also a word that's not used a ton, which is really helpful for when you're studying. <laughs> not helpful because there's not 50 examples I can go to, but, but the word is really helpful because it really narrows down your search of what do you study. Um, this is a Greek word, and it comes from a word called that's pronounced diakrino, which is to separate thoroughly. It's to, to sort through something and separate this from that. And, and the word that's used here is diakrisis, which is a judicial, a judicial estimation. It's the separation of something and then making a judgment about it. So this is left, this is right, um, and, and you've determined this is left and this is right, and we know that because this is my left hand and this is my right hand. So um, the word is used twice, um, once here and once in Hebrews 5. So in Hebrews 5, which I'll reference as well, just so that you know that I'm not making this stuff up. It comes from the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 5, in the last three verses. For when the time, 
You ought to be teachers. This is, this is the writer of the Hebrews rebuking the recipients of this letter, saying, hey, you should be mature by now, and you're not. And here's, here's what the writer says. When the time you should have been teachers, you have need that one teach you again with the first principles of the oracles of God. And you are become such as have need of milk and not of meat. Imagine, so there's a few moms in the room, but I'm just going to pick on one. Imagine the disappointment for Nicola if young James stopped devouring pizza as fast as he could get his hands on it and instead began to act like young Anna and, and wanted milk. That's a regression. That's not a, that's not a positive trend. We don't, we don't want grown-ups to go back to drinking milk as their sole source of food and nutrients. It's okay for babies. It's not okay for grown-ups. And that's what's happening here. These people should be teachers by now. And instead, they've gone back to being babies. And then the writer of Hebrews doesn't pull any punches about it. Um, and he says, Everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But strong meat belongs to those who are of full age even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That's the word discern, that's the same word. So there's three things that I just want to point out from here, and then I want to go back to the, the root word and, and just look at, that only shows up a couple times as well. Um, so there's three things that are marks in, in this passage about the one who's able to discern um, and here's what they are. It's a mark of maturity. Um, so a baby Christian with the gift of discerning the spirits, we may not be able to tell because they're still drinking milk. They don't really know if they can tell, right, from like the scriptures talk about how um, there's those who can't discern their left from their right. That's in Nineveh. Um, there's other passages that talk about how, and it's talking about little ones, children who don't really know right from wrong or, or left from right. And, and, and so it's talking about how there's a growing in that. And so, so exercise or use of the gift of discernment of spirits is associated with maturity. So, so it's something that you kind of grow into. Now, um, I don't want to pretend like I think I have this gift or anything like that, but I just want to give an illustration of what it might look like. I still remember, as a brand new Christian, I was 13, sitting in a conference, listening all day, I don't remember most of it, I, sitting all day listening to guys talk about the Bible. And it was way over my head, and I don't remember any of it now, except for one scene. I don't remember exactly what was said, but a guy was preaching about what happened at the cross, and, and he said something. And when I tell you every hair on my neck stood up, Remember, I was 13. It's an expression. Um, I was so uncomfortable physically because this guy said something, and I said, that's not right. And I started flipping through the pages of my Bible because I knew that basically what, what he said from, from what I can think of after the fact is that he said something up to the amount of that Jesus being on the cross meant that he um, wasn't able to leave the cross or something like that which he was talking about how like basically saying Jesus was murdered and that's not true that's not what happened 
anyway, I, like I said, I was pretty young and I don't remember all the details. But so, so I sat there as uncomfortable as, I mean, maybe not as I've ever been in my life, um, but I was really uncomfortable. And I didn't know why. And I didn't know what to say. And I was just flipping through my Bible trying to look for an answer because that's all I knew at that point. Well, at the end of that message where that guy sat down, uh, one of the elders of our, of our local assembly got up um, and he just quiet, not, he didn't raise his voice, but he just, here's what happens. This is what was said. And just to make sure there's no confusion, um, we don't believe that here. We believe that Jesus is God and that he allowed, he gave his spirit, he commended it to God. That's what it says in the passage. He talked about, he talked about what happened and identified clearly how that validates the gospel and how salvation comes through Christ. And, and it was really powerful. That was followed immediately by the guy who had said it getting up in tears and saying, I stumble over my words. That's not what I meant. Um, I am so sorry if I've caused offense and, and that sort of thing. And I, I never saw the guy again. But I, I'm not saying they shot him. I'm just saying <laughs> I never saw him again. Um, but, but this was a powerful moment for me where I didn't know enough to know what he said that was wrong. But I knew something was off. And I'm not saying that that's exactly an exercise of discerning the spirits. I, I'm not assuming that guy was a wolf come in to savage the flock. I'm just saying that's an example of what it might look like. When you hear a message, and this happens to me all the time because I work with people from a variety of sort of church circles and backgrounds, and, and they'll, they'll share with me, hey, this sermon was really helpful or whatever, and I'll listen to it and the whole time I'm freaking out on the insects. I'm like, this is not, this is not scriptural. Like, I don't, I don't know why you're listening to this. And it really bothers me because I have friends who absolutely love certain speakers and I've never heard a good message from that speaker. It's, it's, like, it's like they're trying to water down the gospel and they're trying to make it not have effect and power. And, and so, um, again, I'm not claiming to have the gift of um, discernment of spirits, but I'm just saying um, there's a mark of maturity when we know the word enough to hear something and go, that's not what the scriptures say. Uh, that's a helpful mark. Knowing the word then is an important part, and that's in here as well. Talks about being, um, if, you're, if you're using milk, um, you're unskilled in the word. And so you got to be chewing the meat, and that's how you get skilled in the word. And then as a result, you, you have your senses exercised by use. They're like a muscle. You use the muscles, and then you're able to, to discern both good and evil. Um, so that's, that's the only other passage of this exact word in, in the Greek in our New Testament. Um, so discerning the spirits comes as a, it's a seeing of good and evil, um, some have said that it could be a, a seeing of a, of a motivation or it could be noticing uh, where doctrine has started to slip, things, things of that nature. Um, if, if we go back to the, to the root word diacrino, which is a separating thoroughly, it also only comes up two times. Once was actually, uh, I read it this morning, uh, it's in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine, where it talks about um, eating and drinking unworthily. Uh, because if you do that, you're drinking damnation to yourself and not discerning, not separating the Lord's body. So you're not thoroughly distinguishing between holy 
and not holy, which would be profane. And so if we fall into the trap of mixing, which is what Brother Josh brought out this morning so well and powerfully, was if we're mixing holy and unholy, that's not being discerning. And so there's a challenge to us when we come together to celebrate the Lord's Supper, to have communion, we need to uh, distinguish and to note what is worthy. The other location <clears throat> that it's in the New Testament is in Matthew 16. And it's the Lord Jesus talking. And he says, listen, you guys can tell just by looking at the sky what kind of weather is going to happen. Here in Manitoba, when we look up and we see black clouds off to the west and that western breeze is coming in, what's going to happen? We're going to have a thunderstorm. That's what's going to happen. And some of us rejoice over those and some of us do not. Um, but the, we can tell what's going to happen. and that, that's, So Jesus often uses very simple everyday illustrations when he talks. And that's what's happening. And so that's what I'm doing. He, everyday illustration. We can see a thundercloud rolling in. We know there's going to be rain. How come you can't see the signs of the times? And that's what Jesus says to the people. One of the things that always struck me was the amount of, of spiritual activity that happens in the three-year span or so of the ministry of Christ. There's demons being cast out. There's people being healed. There's all kinds of stuff happening that's happening. And it seems like, it's probably not daily. We, we're getting highlights. But John would tell us the things that Jesus did, the world couldn't contain all the scrolls. That's how, that's how much Jesus did. And so it seems to me that, man, there was a lot of spiritual activity that was visible and evident to anyone who had eyes to see. And Jesus is rebuking them and he's saying, you can see as plain as the sky when bad weather is coming. You can see what's happening here, but you don't know what's happening in this time. And so it's a, it's a powerful example of being able to see the difference between things. And that's what, the, that's what this word's talking about. And so discerning of spirits is a, is a vision or a sight into what's happening and is this of, I'll use the right hand for God, is this of God or is this of the devil? Anything that's not of God is, is trash. And that's what Paul would say. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Everything other than Christ is, is dung on the manure pile. That, those are the two categories. So it should be easy to separate things. But for some reason, it's not. And, and we heard a message about that this morning, so I won't belabor the point. There are two final things I'm just going to say to sort of wrap it up, and then we can do some questions. Um, <clears throat> in case you think that uh, this discerning the spirits thing is for those who have this special gift, um, much like we've talked about in so many sessions, um, I got to listen. I wasn't here a couple weeks ago last time we had one session, but I, I heard it. And I heard very clearly stated, even if you're not a gifted evangelist, we still have to do the work of an evangelist. And even if you're not a gifted teacher, we're still all called to teach and to make disciples. <coughs> and so um, from, from 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 21, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. What Paul is saying here is discern the spirits. Prove everything. And I think very easily when I think of 
prove everything. I think of the Bereans in Acts, where everything they heard, they went to the scriptures to prove. That was their, that was their source material to know what is good and right. And so what is being written to the church in Thessalonica is prove all things, hold fast to the good. That's basically what we were just talking about. Um, knowing the difference between good and evil. And then the implied imperative is, and do good, not the evil. Um, the, the other section where this um, comes out is, is in 1 John chapter 4. And this is the writings of the Apostle John. Probably the last apostle left alive at this point, And he's writing a letter. And he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, or test the spirits, whether they are of God. Why? Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Not everyone who claims the name of Christ actually knows Christ. I know that's really hard to imagine, uh, but I'll, I'll remind us of the illustration Josh used this morning. If he says he's a Jets fan... And, and tells everyone that'll listen that he's a Jets fan. And then the Oilers are in town playing the Jets and he's wearing an Oilers jersey and celebrating every time they score. His actions are telling us that he's actually an Oilers fan, not a Jets fan. And we should believe his actions, not his words. And that, that's a, it's a good, simple illustration for all of us. Um, there are so many counterfeits out there because the devil doesn't hate church. The devil hates the gospel. He loves church people who are so content thinking they're on their way to heaven that they don't even know who Jesus is. And that happens. We know that's going to happen because Jesus warned about it. And he says there are going to be people who are going to be banging on the door. And I'm sure this is at least somewhat allegorical because I don't think that there's a physical door to heaven that people are going to be banging on. But... but he talks about how there are those who are going to say, Lord, open to us. They're calling him Lord. They think that he's their Lord. And they're saying, open the door. Haven't we done these good things in your name? And he says, I never knew you. Depart. There's, there's a holy terror that grips me because I know a lot of people who grow up in church and have no idea who Jesus is. Because I was one of those people. And so this, this discerning of the spirits is because there are many false prophets that have gone out into the world, and that's especially true in our day. There are whole religious systems that have nothing to do with Jesus or God and claim the name. And then they're out there spreading their message in our world. And so we have to be alert to that. There are also people who are wolves among sheep, and we heard about that um, in, the, in the words of the Ephesian elders, in the, in the warning that Paul gave them, one of, the, one of the reasons he wept was because of these grievous wolves, these ravenous wolves that would come in and destroy the sheep. And they're coming from within. And so it's, it's a powerful warning that we must discern the spirits. And so my encouragement to you, based on this holy terror that grips me, is get into the word. One of the marks of someone who discerns the spirits is someone who knows the word and can use it. The Lord Jesus knew the word and used it. So did the devil knows the word, by the way. 
right? The devil quoted the Bible, or the Torah, I guess, to Jesus to tempt him. But Jesus knew the word better because he is the living word. And, and he said, it says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And so he knew the word and was able to apply it directly to the temptation and the situation that was in front of him. And so Jesus is the perfect example of how to discern the spirits. Because whatever is not of him is, is the enemy. And it wants to destroy. Um, I'm going to stop there because I do want to leave time for questions. So I'll maybe... Um, sort of just close in prayer? Or actually, can I pick on Brother Jeremy to close us in prayer? And then we'll, we'll have a question time. So feel free to shout them out. I'm not necessarily going to stay up here unless that makes everybody else more comfortable to have someone to talk at. Uh, but, uh, and feel free to have a question time. So yeah, Jeremy, thanks.